Hey everybody, what's going on? You are listening to the Playing On Podcast. My name is Carl Markowski, and thank you for joining me. This episode is brought to you by drpaintball.com, where you can go on there and actually uh, finance paintball stuff. It's pretty cool. You can go and you can find whatever you want. Uh, they also have used gear, but if you want all the new cool stuff, you can go on there, and if you can't afford it initially, what they can do is they can help you out, and they will help you finance and get the gun of your dreams. But you can only do that if you go over to drpaintball.com and uh, and let them help you out. So thank you to drpaintball.com. We are also brought to you by Midwest Clothing. And they have this very, very slick new Midwest Clothing hat out. It's a, it's a Finley Classic snapback. It's kind of got like the sailor ropes and everything up there, but it's it's very, very cool. Head over to midwestclothingllc.com and click the little shop now button and i believe that's the first thing that pops up is that those new uh, those new caps those are awesome again midwestclothingllc.com and uh and a little shop now button so thank you midwest clothing we are also brought to you by razalife.com if you want anything custom as far as jerseys shirts shorts anything headbands uh they make a head wrap head to razalife.com and let Todd Mar- uh, Todd Martinez over there hook you guys up. He is he's awesome. He will figure out his designers will figure out what design fits you guys best, and uh, he will work with you and get you out what you need. And if you use the promo code capital T P O P for the playing on podcast, uh, he will take off 19% of your entire order. So make sure you head to RazaLife.com and uh, and get some custom gear. Thank you, Raza. We are also brought to you by Carbon Paintball, the makers of the base layer that I use. It's a protective thermal layer that's like an extra skin, but it also has these nice dense arm pads and and knee pads and hip pads. It's it's a great product. Um, you know they they have found a way to keep a knee pad in place, and that's been very tough for me to find because I'm diving and crawling all over the place and it's it's very hard to keep a knee pad on my knee but those uh, those protective bottoms are very sweet so thank you to carbon paintball if you also the promo code capital TPOP you can get 10% off your entire order so thank you carbon paintball we are also brought to you by planet eclipse they actually just released the LV 1.5 they just they just put out the CS 1.5 which is slick this is actually the LV version, and dude, they keep getting better. It's got a lower feed neck. It's got the blade trigger. I like the blade trigger. I think that's pretty slick. Um, but it's really, it's just an upgrade of the LV. You know, the the LV series is so tight and it's so it's so nice. It's something that if it's not broken, don't fix it. And I wish I saw. Um, Mr. Keith Brown at the last event shooting LVR, so he's he's come along board. He jumped on the wagon, but you, you don't know until you shoot it, it just how awesome those those guns are. So um, thank you to Planet Eclipse for sponsoring this episode. And uh, I think I think that's it. I think that's all of our sponsors. Enough. So now, since you guys have skipped ahead to this part, um, this episode is uh is with a very very good friend of mine uh rich telford and we we talk about it a little bit in the podcast but uh, uh he is definitely one of the giant reasons why i am in the position i am today and and a reason why i play professional paintball and you know i owe a lot to him and all the guys over there on that that were in that camp maddie nikki micah nikki vegas you know, everybody that was in that camp, they kind of molded me into the player and they, they took this naive little kid and I mean, they were pros, man. They were, they played on, they were Iron Man. They were, you know, Nikki played on, um, of course I friggin' blank and I cannot think of, <laughs> think of it, but, uh, and everybody's probably screaming in the headsets. He played for the, not, it's not New York extreme. I, um, uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. They made an intimidator. Jeez, you guys knew what I'm talking about. But anyway, besides the point, Rich Telford, I uh, had a great time talking to him. I hope you guys enjoy it. Here it is. 
Rich. Yes. How you doing? Good, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, thank you for doing this with me and sitting down in your busy agenda of a day that you have. No problem, buddy. So, uh, just like anybody else, uh, what I've been you know, kind of doing is sitting down and, and getting some paintball history. And you obviously have a ton of paintball history. And, um, you know, I've, I've always been fascinated with how, um, you know, legendary players like yourself have found themselves into the game. And, you know, let's, let's start there. Let's start at, uh, at block one. Where did you I find I think I people? got started just like everybody else, man. I was uh, teaching karate at the time, had kind of barely heard of paintball, but didn't really know it, it was like a thing. Um, and one of my students was just on me and one of, my, one of the other instructors, uh, come out and play, come out and play. I think he was tired of getting punched and wanted to shoot us. <laughs> So um, after about six months of constantly him, you know, berating us, we went out and rented guns and took like ten of us from the karate school and went out and played for the first time. It was a lot of fun. So what year was this? 1922. Uh, <laughs> Ford had just come out with a Model T truck. It was a big year all the way around. Production line was getting going. Yeah. Uh, no, I was actually just talking to Mike about that because he was around when I started getting into paintball, and I think the first big event I played was '91. So I think I probably got into it in the late 80s, like 89, 90, so way too long. You'd think I'd be a lot better for that, <laughs> for that many years. But yeah, I think late 80s, early 90s. So how, how old was this student that, uh, that, that drug you guys out? Uh, he was a full-grown adult. He was probably mid-30s. Um, yeah, family guy, really nice guy. Um, yeah. And he traveled a lot for work, so he was always constantly up in Sacramento. There was a bigger scene up in Sacramento. Um, kept, you know, the back in the old days, everyone would meet at this army surplus store, buy their paintball stuff, and go out and shoot each other. Yeah. So uh, he kind of kept seeing those crowds and got interested. He started playing and drug us out there. So did, where you started out with uh, the athleticism and kind of being in contact sports, and was that through high school? Uh, no, you know, uh, high school I played traditional sports. I played some basketball, played some football, a little bit of baseball. Um, and, uh, when I was a little kid, I had a little bit of a temper problem and I was a little bit hyper mm-hmm. and they didn't do the, uh, they didn't do the drugs back then. So they stuck me in karate. So, you know, we moved around a little bit. So I kind of bounced around, uh, started off when I was five and kind of bounced a lot around a lot until I was 10 or 11. By the time I was 12, we'd kind of settled down here in Modesto and they stuck me in karate school and I liked it. So that's where I spent my time. Now, do you think uh, being in karate kind of made you focus a lot more on, on yourself and, and discipline like you need in paintball? Yeah, for sure. The, the discipline, going out and working hard and, and training hard and trying to fight easy, obviously, you know, uh, held with me for a long, long time. I don't know if they're, you know, like fighting and shooting people is different, but it's also the same. So mm-hmm. I'm sure there's some, some similarities. Uh, but definitely the hard work ethic and the, uh, the focus and the discipline carried over. So when you guys started playing for the first time, or at least when he got you guys out and playing for the first time, was it a, uh, a first-time thing and it grabbed you right away, or did it take a little bit to kind of catch on and be like, okay, this is something I want to do? Honestly, like uh, it was the third game I played. The first game I played, we had little 60L pumps, and uh, there was some old dude chain-smoking. We asked him, you know, how do you play paintball? What do you do? And he's like, you just fucking, you just go forward. Everyone just rush forward, be as aggressive as you can, get to the 50s, you know, shoot everybody. And on go, I look over and he takes a step backward and like hunkers down a little bush. So I was like, well, he told us to all go, but he's <laughs> sitting in the back. So I yeah. hunkered down a little bush and just with my little pump, I was just shooting people out, just dink, dink. I was like, this is really easy. Yeah. Second game, I did the same thing. I just, same field, opposite side. I just sat there and dinked everybody out. And I was like, this is fun, not that big a deal. Right. Third game, I'm crawling around in the bushes on like a wooded field. And that same dude is up on a ridge and starts shooting at me. And like, it was just like a Vietnam movie, like gunfire. And I'm just, crawling through stinging nettles and my arms are stinging and yeah i come all the way around and i'm just about to shoot him and i'm like hey this dude's on the same team as i am I'm like this is that old chain smoker dude and he's like there's a guy down there and i'm like that was me dumbass but my my adrenaline was beating and my heart was beating so hard so fierce that i was like wow this is this is like i might he might as well have been shooting a real gun at me mm-hmm. and i was i was kind of hooked then and uh but not not really hooked like you end up being, you know, over the years. About uh, six weeks later, I practiced against a team called Ironman mm-hmm. out of the Bay Area. They had just won uh, the, the Bay City Masters. 
and they beat the shit out of us. And the fact that somebody can be so much better than me at something I thought I was pretty good at just kind of blew me away. And really, that was when it was like, oh, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do. Previous to that, I was fighting karate tournaments every weekend. And after that, it was karate tournaments kind of here and there and paintball yeah. whenever I could. So how old, you, how old were you at this time when you discovered paintball? I think I was just, like I said, I was just talking to Mike because, you know, when you're in the heat of it, you're not really paying attention. I think I was kind of 26-ish. I was a little over the hill already when I started playing. Really? Uh, yeah, and by the time, and and I didn't really I didn't play rec for a bunch of years. I played rec maybe six or ten times, and then I got picked up by Black Sunday. Um, didn't really like the guys very much, but they were giving me a good deal on paint. And then uh, our first practice was against the Ironmen, and I was just hooked. I was like, okay, well, wherever I got to go to play those guys, that's what I'll do. And so we drove up every Saturday and Sunday for the next six months and played against those guys, and and uh, that was it. So. You got you kind of you, you got a late start kind of into the game, but you got rushed into playing tournament ball pretty quickly. Um, I, I did, but I, I've been playing sports my whole life, and I've been fighting karate tournaments every weekend. So I was kind of used to training all week and getting ready for the preparation and, and you know competing on the weekend. So I kind of had that part of it down. I just needed to learn the technical skills. Yeah, I think that's how I kind of kind of my play style and everything and and how I started I feel like it kind of I was okay yeah it's fun being in the woods kind of you know you know picking around and whatever but that that aggression and that airball or or hyperball style it just it felt and and it came to me so quickly and so naturally that I just jumped right into it right away yeah for me it was the the challenge like the first couple games to me weren't challenging right so i was like this is pretty boring like i just shot everybody my first game i just shot everybody my second game i was like it's pretty easy you just find a good spot and right. let people move around i've been shooting guns my whole life so i was pretty good at shooting the third game when like uh think like he was shooting at me and i was just scrambling and diving and rolling and like a complete moron in the woods like right. i was like wow i wouldn't do that if it was a real gun like i'm not doing that to play hide and go seek i'm not doing that to play tag right. if someone's trying to kill me i'm gonna you know jump yeah, so it was definitely uh, definitely got the adrenaline going. And then playing at a competitive level, I'd been competing my whole life, and I love competing. And that kind of – I was like, this is something that's very challenging for me, and I have really good guys around me that are doing it that are better than I am, and I don't like losing, so it just kind of sucked me in. Yeah. So, Format-wise, no big deal. It didn't matter at that point. You just No, I mean, I think – yeah, and because you know the like hyperball and airball, I again I like it because it's so much easier. Like going out in the woods with a little roll and a little hill and some trees and some shade, like shit gets real hard real fast because it's not an equal playing field. And now you're playing the the field and the players and the terrain, and it's right. real challenging. So I think there's challenge no matter what format. But when you play against people that are way better than you and and you're a cocky guy that thinks he's good at stuff, like it's you know it's it's hard to walk away from that. <laughs> like I drive, we drive every morning for two and a half hours, and I kind of plan out what I would do for the day. And I take a beating all day, and I drive home and think about like, okay, well, I was supposed to do this, that didn't really happen. This guy did this, this guy did this. Mm-hmm. Drive back the next day, thinking about, okay, today this is what we're going to do. And after about six months of that, I was able to like, okay, this is what we're going to do today, and actually be able to do what we wanted to do. Yeah, I, I think a lot of the top athletes doesn't matter what sport you're in always they love the challenge right they love the challenge yeah. at, the t- at the top level yeah and for sure they and the reason why those guys make it look so easy is because they're probably thinking about it at least uh, at least i know i do they think yeah. about it constantly when you know it what situations what do i need to do and and what does this guy do what does this guy do it's just not going there and playing paintball there's so much yeah. more to it i mean yeah, we make it sound it all you gotta do is, yeah just you gotta play paintball just go play paintball it's it's easier said but you know to us we've been doing it for so long there's so much more going on in our heads than what people think i, well, I and, that, and that's the bare minimum right the bare minimum is you got to go play paintball because you're not going to get all that experience if you're not out there playing but like you were saying paul and i that's my best friend that that went out and played with me the first time we started doing karate together when we were 12 so we had a lot of experience at this time we're i don't know 21 22 23 or whatever kind of just you know going out and playing rentals or whatever is that mma and, paul yeah 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 I yeah you know him. you know paul yeah and yeah. uh and like we were teaching karate but we weren't talking about karate we were talking about paintball yeah. and like we were in karate magazines but we didn't care about that we were looking at paintball magazines like hey if the wind blows it says you can crawl and no one will hear you dude like that's pretty legit let's try that next weekend <laughs> like and that and I was just like it's weird that we're so into this thing that's such a small part of our lives when martial arts has been such a big for so long but yeah. we just got rolled up into it. Yeah, and it's it's so silly. Like looking looking back at you know back when my mom and dad when I first started getting into it and they looked at it they're like you're 
just shooting these paintballs at each other. Like, how can it be that exciting? But it's yeah, yeah. They haven't been in the thick of it. Like, yeah, like, yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, like, and like you said, any athlete, give, give them anything to compete. Get like the the old old Ironman guys. Not very good paintball players. Not. Uh, and when I say that, I don't mean disrespectful. I don't mean they weren't they weren't very technical. You know, like right, right, right. If, if you, any one of the top guys now would mow through all ten of those guys in a gunfight, mm-hmm. but they were so competitive like any little thing that they would kill over like oh you know we're running to the car i'm gonna beat you there or you know like right. my they're just so competitive and that's i think that's kind of missed out a lot you know like it, everything now is so technical and it's not about making big moves or, or it's more about not making mistakes right. and we kind of lost that like really aggressive really competitiveness in the sport i think that was the that's one of the questions i wanted to ask you because you have kind of seen this game evolve so much into what it is now and you're still involved in the sport um what is that that biggest at the top level what is the biggest difference that let's say from even 2000 what's the biggest difference from the top pro teams or top players now than than back then is it athleticism is it you know the playing style itself what exactly do you think that is I think uh, I think the playing style has changed. Um, back in the old days, and certainly coming up, and reason why, like when I, I watched, went to scout you out when you played, wasn't like because you were really technical and you never made mistakes. It was because you made a big move to the fifty and shot out three guys, and I like that. To me, that's exciting, and and not just the fact that you can do that, but the fact that you're willing to take that chance. Like, hey, you very well might get shotgun in that 50 to shoot those three guys out. But every third or fourth game, you make it there and shoot three dudes out, and you do something that nobody else can do or nobody else has got the balls to do. And I don't think people do that anymore. I think now it's a, it's a lot more like poker, where you're not, you're not looking to make big moves. You're just grinding it out. You know, People just go out there and try to make as few mistakes as possible. They get a one- or two-point lead. They cross it up, and they just bore the shit out of me. <laughs> oh, and, and that's dude. okay. You know, I, that's, that's, yeah, it's. I understand it. Like from a coaching point of view, I understand getting the lead. Like, like you know, when we played together, we could never get a lead and sit there and hold it. Like mm-hmm. we would try. Like, okay, guys, we're up by three points. Cross it up. Okay, well, game's tied. Now we get to go play paintball again. You know, yeah. and, and like at some point, I was just like, let's just stop crossing up. Let's just keep going forward because that's fun, man. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I, you know, even using that example where you're like, you're three points ahead, you change your gameplay or your game style. Yeah. Now, even though it's tied, you almost feel three points behind because you didn't win those three. Ahead, yeah. Exactly. Two steps ahead of you. Yeah, I agree. And, and that's what, you know, with the stats and everything now, and with my play style, it's, I've never been the most consistent player, right? You can't but, be that pretty and consistent. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, the way I play, I just I have to be up front. I, I'll tell you to your face, I will make this spot. I will go here, I will make this spot. I might not make it every single time, but I will be in that 50 or I'll be on their side of the field and I will at least turn guns or something. And I feel like nobody, everything is so, well, I might get shot. Well, you know, I have to be alive. I have to be alive. I have to do this. We have a better chance if we do this. But it's like. Yes, yeah, so this is all percentages. And to yeah. me, it's just boring as shit, man. Like, uh, and it goes back a couple years ago. I remember I'm having, you know, the events kind of grind together. But it was about two or three seasons ago when um, Sloviak was still playing with Shock, I think, and he was playing a tower on the, uh, I think we were OXCC, and he had a blind shot on the tower, and he was like stat kill of the of the tournament. Like he was just destroying people on this blind shot, shooting 14 pods. Right. And on the one hand, I was like, that's great. I'm glad Nick's doing that. That's super good that he's doing that, and it's you know, it's it's his job. But on the other hand, it's boring as shit. Like, mm-hmm. so basically, okay, so no one can go to this side of the field anymore. If we put another dude over there with 14 paws, now nobody can go to that side of the field anymore. So the only chance you have of going down the field is going through this huge lane with a guy shooting a machine gun. Yeah. And it gets where it's it's not as much skill anymore, and that kind of takes a lot of the fun out of it for me. And you know, for me, it's like when when a field, like not not this field, but uh, or uh, this AC field, but Dallas. You know how they had the uh, the snake side where no one was really playing because it was kind of slower. Yeah, I yeah. looked at it and I went, I want to play that side. Yeah, I, I want to go down, down that down. side. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can go down that side. Let me do that. And and I love a challenge like that. And I think that brings it back to the whole competitiveness of of the top level athletes. It's like I can take a look at that and be like, that's a challenge. Or even AC field when the the snake was split up. Like I have to confess, those big ladder snakes that are connected, I hate them. I hate right. them because I feel like, yeah, I mean the, the the great snake players can play that well, but I feel like any dummy with a gun can run in there and just go all the way down and shoot guys in the back. But when it's segmented 
out like it was in AC, I was like, that's a challenge every single step of the snake, and that makes it fun for me. Anyway, in my opinion, and only because you bring up the snake thing, another problem that we've had is ever since we switched to X ball and you have the shorter, wider fields, mm-hmm. you, like it used to be like you'd slide in snake one and you'd be like, okay, I got shots on this dude, this dude, and this dude. And then if I fight my way to snake two, I got shots on this guy, this guy, and this guy. If I can get to the 50 snake, now I got shots on this guy, this guy, this guy. The last five seasons or 10 seasons or how long we've been playing this narrow, short field, you get to snake one, you're like, I have zero shots. You get yeah. snake two, and you're like, I have the back of the guy in the Dorito if he's looking inside and crossing up. You get to the 50 snake, and you're like, oh, I have zero shots. So it's almost like there's no incentive to go forward to get better shots, to get better angles, so there's no incentive to take that risk. Everybody mm-hmm. sits in those back four or five bunkers until they get up a body or two, they call the switch, and then they start playing paintball. It's just boring as shit. I think it you is. have to go back to a longer, narrower field where it pays for you to move forward and, and – it's worth the risk to move forward because if you make that risk every two or three games, you're going to shoot two or three dudes. I don't know what the hell that was, but it sounded like an yeah, alien just landed in your living room. Yeah, that's a, Mike's phone that he was nice enough to leave here for me. And, or an alien landed in my living room. <laughs> it could really be either one. Um, and, and, and talking about the fields, because I've had this conversation with a few different people, uh, I don't know if narrowing the field – would be would be beneficial but i know definitely i think i think the length should grow and i think we should take off a couple bunkers um i think some of the pins should go i think i think we should go to m500 or m750 or whatever if you kept the width the same and just made it longer those bunkers would all just fill in you'd be i think you'd be okay with number and i think i think the uh the paint thing I, i i get that and i think maybe at the pro level you do that where you limit the paint but uh, just from being on the industry side of it for like the last two or three years, mm-hmm. there's no money in the industry. And if you start taking money out of the industry now, if you think things are tough sponsorship wise and things are tough event wise with, you know, layouts or whatever, or cash bag, it's just, it would just get a lot worse. Well, maybe that would be the best scenario from, Oh, and I'm not trying to say like, take anything away from the industry. I'm actually trying, I'm, what I'm trying to say is maybe, uh, make the game more exciting, like like yeah, you no, are, like everybody wants. It. Yeah, I'm all and for I, making I, it more exciting. Just not if you limit the uh, if you limit paint sales too much and it costs the event. Like as it is for a big company, they go to World Cup. Let's say they sell a bunch of paint, they spend mm-hmm. a bunch of money. If they break even, they're lucky. And if you tell them now you're they're going to cut their sales by half and they're not breaking even and they're they're losing a bunch of money, then yeah. the next time you go to World Cup, those guys aren't going to be there. Yeah, yeah, and maybe maybe that is the best scenario is maybe just have the pro. The yeah. pro level do that. The one on the webcast do that. So yeah, it is that would actually, and, and that way if players decide like, hey, this is something we want to do, it's something the players want to do. But if, if if usually if the pros do it, everyone else follows suit. But at least the pros usually get their pain for free. So that would actually probably help the industry more than it would hurt the industry. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, I, I think the league is doing a great job across the board with the webcast. With it. But we're always, every year, and, and you know this, every year we're trying to make the game better, right? We're trying to make the game more viewer-friendly, more um, more online-friendly for people to watch and accessible. And we're always trying to find that happy medium. And do you think we've found that yet? I mean, do you, do you think there's I think still... the model's broken, Carl. I think, uh, I think for whatever reason, it just doesn't work, man. Like, so if... And, and I have a little bit of perspective from when I worked with the MPPL guys, so I kind of know the back numbers or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, if we got, let's say, 20 more teams, and we had the income coming into the, into the industry of that 20 more teams for that event, it would just pay enough for us to have one more field for those 20 teams. Mm-hmm. So there's no, so let's say World Cup comes, there's 500 teams. None of that money really goes back to paintball, right? The hotels get it, the rental car agencies get it, the, the airline companies get it. The registration goes to cover the event and the cost into the staff that work at the event, and it's just gone. It's just there's no nothing Such goes an back. Yeah, there's nothing that goes back. Like uh, so, GI is probably one of the bigger companies. They don't go to World Cup and make a bunch of money. They go to World Cup and either lose money or if they do a really good job, they break even. Although you know millions of dollars are probably being spent on World Cup, it doesn't come back to paintball. You know, like uh, it's just the model's broken. I don't know the answer. Like uh, a lot of money goes into refereeing. It costs about twenty five grand to run a field. Right or at least it a did single field, yeah, and that did that was for the MPPL and they had to set up turf and nets, so it's probably a little bit right. lower for the NXL. It's probably closer to eighteen, but Still. by the time you by the time you pay the referees and by the time you get the field set up and you get the net set up, you get the pole set up, you get the air run, you get the power run, it's about twenty grand, and it and, and you take about twenty grand in from the teams that play on that field, so it's kind of a break even. 
Mm-hmm. And, and the more, so if we had a thousand teams, we'd still be breaking even. And to me, it's like if we had for first place was a hundred thousand dollars or one hundred fifty thousand dollars, and that actually went back to the first place team, I feel like you'd have a lot more people trying to get first place pro. But now you've oh, got yeah. you know, four, five, six teams kind of scratching at that that first place title. But that's where we've been for the last ten years, man. And if we keep doing the same thing over and over, it's going to be the same thing. And like, I'm not saying I got the answers, but I, I I'm finally at a point where I'm like, oh, there's a problem, and this mm-hmm. is the problem. And like, we probably, I'm kind of concerned that there's not very many people trying to figure it, figure it out, you know? Yeah. I mean, do you think there's going to be some kind of a like a player union? And I doubt it very seriously. I feel like about seven years ago or so, we were pretty close a couple times. Um, but we were kind of go on on the slope up where more and more guys were starting to get paid, and, and that was kind of a, a more regular thing, and there was more money coming into paintball. Mm-hmm. And now that it's kind of ch- changed gears, and less and less people are getting paid, and there's less and less money coming to paintball until we get uh, until re- everyone's getting paid, or at least the top pro guys are getting paid some kind of minimum something. Then I don't think a union's really going to help anybody. Yeah, I, I don't know either. I, I did... It's so tough to, to figure and, out. Because... And again, the problem is there's no money. Like there's yeah, no money yeah. from the industry. We're not going to pay. Like players are like strapped. We're not going to be like, oh, hey, let's kick another 200 bucks an event for a union so that if I get hurt, I can get insurance, which is going to cost me about the same as 200 bucks a tournament anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's And that's the thing is like what's the incentive? What's the incentive for pro teams on winning a tournament? Or staying pro, or you know, where is where is their line? Because paintball across the board costs money, costs money for the companies, costs yep. money for the pro teams. Somebody's forking over the bill, even though I play for free. I'll, uh, you know, Federal plays for free. All these teams play for free. Somebody's forking over the bill, and well, and, you, and you know how we all got trapped into that is forever. They made us feel like we were superstars by putting us on the cover of magazines, and mm-hmm. they couldn't afford to pay us, but they could feed our egos. So. There was a bunch of videos out. We were all in the videos. There's a bunch of TV shows. We were in the TV shows. There's a bunch of magazines. We were in the magazines. So we were like, hey, we're not making a lot of money, but we're kind of, you know, getting this need that we have to, you know, to be popular or to be at least recognized for our hard work. And now that's gone. And it, now that that's gone and the money's gone, I think we're in a tough spot. I think we, letting the magazines go and losing all that marketing was a really big hit to the industry. And I think it was bigger than we all thought it was going to be. Well, now do you think we start marketing or start putting some money, if there is any, into advertising uh, around each venue to get outside people coming in and checking out the sport or, you know, paintball in general, maybe a commercial on TV? Or uh, There's just so many questions that I don't know the answers to to try and grow this thing. Well, let's let's just figure them all out real quick. I mean, I've well, got 15 or 20 minutes. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think there's a lot of things that we can do. I don't know what the, the one thing that we need to do the most of. I think the easiest thing would be for the industry to get a magazine going again between all the you know companies that are still solvent and be like, hey, it's going to cost us four, two, six, wherever we're at company-wise a month. We're going to put that in. We're going to build this. We're going to showcase our players. We're going to showcase our teams. We're going to showcase our product. And we're going to showcase our sport. Uh, a lot of guys think that you know print media is dead, but like I go to the bookstore and there's tons of gun magazines, surfing magazines. There's every other magazine that was still there when there was paintball magazines. Just the mm-hmm. paintball ones are gone. Like all yeah. the gun magazines are still there, all the truck magazines, like every fucking mag, every tattoo, everything you could possibly imagine. There's a running magazine. For, yeah, there's multiple running magazines. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and when I started playing paintball, like uh, I know that was back in the 20s, but like the first thing I did was go down and get a magazine and start like, well, what is this all about? Like, okay, people wear mm-hmm. camos. Okay, people hide behind trees. Just you know, and and for me, that's how I got into paintball before I got into paintball. And and I know that a lot of people think that social media is the way to go, but I think print is still pretty important, and I think it's pretty relevant. Yeah. And I think we lost that, and it's like, you know, like when Oliver was in high school and he could take a magazine out of his locker and accidentally drop it and pick it up with some hot chick and be like, oh look, it's me on the cover. Like, yeah, hard to do that with an iPad, and you know, because they break and stuff. And I think that was, you know, that we Oliver wasn't getting paid a hundred thousand dollars a year, but mm-hmm. being on the cover of a magazine is pretty cool. Oh yeah, and, and I think so. I think a lot that got us all for a long time, and I think that's gone now, and the money's gone now, and it's it's tough, man. Now you're just basically playing for pride. Yeah, like uh, you know, Bart's probably got the best team in the world, and he's losing a ton of money every year to have that team. And it's great that he supports those guys. I think it's awesome. He takes really good care of his guys, but he's doing that for the love of the sport, not because he likes to compete. Certainly not because it's a good business decision. Certainly mm-hmm. not because he's got you know a brand or something that he's trying to push. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, you bring it up the whole print, uh, print not being dead. I just heard a, st- a statistic that vinyl sales actually have, yeah, I heard that too. yeah, yeah. have yeah. Yeah, outgrown the uh, digital sales for yeah. first, first time. time. Yeah, first time in twenty long. years. Yeah, it's that's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> and my kid actually, show. my kid has a record player and a couple of vinyls. Yeah, yeah, I'm actually thinking about getting uh, my son one just to have him not touch. Just yeah, to just looking. Observe on a shelf. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> what it looks like. Don't touch it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it just goes to show that that you know nothing is nothing's completely dead. I mean, look at look at the uh, the mechanical leagues that are happening now. Yeah, yeah, I'm you gonna know? go play that tournament in July. In, yeah, uh, Pennsylvania. I've I've been wanting to go to that. I'm thinking about going to that. Dude, it was real hard. I just bought myself a ticket. First first like money I spent out of my pocket for paintball in like 25 years. So it was real tough. I immediately uh, Rob's the captain of our team. I immediately, I immediately texted him like, "I fucking hate you, man. Can't believe you made me do this." Like, Come on, it'll be fun. <laughs> so let's uh, let's go back. You were playing on a team called uh, Black Sunday, correct? Yep. yep. And uh, where did uh, kind of where did your career follow after that? Let's kind of take us through that. Okay. So I was playing with Black Sunday. Uh, the other big team in the area is Quick Max. We started practicing each other. Um, we went and won the uh, Bay City Masters. I mean, the uh, Tennessee Masters came back. They won the um, Bay City Masters. After that, we kind of um, merged the two teams together. I went with Quick Max, and uh, we started doing pretty well. Um, stayed together for a little while. Went from there to the San Jose Diamonds. Um, Mike Caraggio came in with some big money, um, big plans. Uh, good, good, really good roster. Had like Billy Saransky, had Opie. We had a lot of good dudes on that team. Um, this that is before team, though, this is before Ironman. This is before yeah, yeah. Uh, Image. All those teams. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so those teams. And we were, I was just talking to Mikey about it. Like, so players from that team went on to Image, Ironman, obviously excessive. Uh, a lot aftershock. of there was a lot of yeah aftershock. There's a lot of talent on that team, um, and it just got there was just no money in the area, so just everyone kind of split up. And went went to different camps. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, I went to Constant Pursuit. Uh, it was my first pro experience. Uh, Fred Schultz, really good guy. Um, played with them for a few events. There wasn't it wasn't enough uh, kind of focus and drive on that team, so went back to playing amateur with Ironman Two, which was uh, the season before the Ironman split up. Mm-hmm. So then the Ironman split up. I went to play with Bobby. Played with him for a few seasons. Went to play with the LA Ironman for a few seasons. Um, did the excessive thing. Uh, was playing Europe with Image. Uh, we played Joy Division, obviously. Um, a couple of the random teams here and there. So, going back to how long did you play for Ironman? Uh, I don't really know, man. I'm uh, not really good at like timelines and dates and stuff like that. <laughs> I, I played with Bobby for, I don't want to say two or three seasons, and I think I played with LA Ironman for maybe four or five seasons. Um, it's good experience. Still, so, I think that's still the team I you know I think of the most. Yeah, I mean, besides excessive when I played for him, but I mean that's, that's obviously <laughs> favorite favorite time paintball ever. So where, how did that come about? Let's let's talk about that. How did Excessive come about? Uh, you were on Ironman. Uh, you were yep. playing them for for a good amount of time, winning championships with with yep. Ironman. Uh, yep. What happened? Um, it was just kind of a different. You know, the company was taking kind of a different direction. Uh, they cut Micah. They cut Davey. They cut Maddie. And uh, was this and Die or was this Ironman that was doing this? This was Die, basically doing it. Um, really? I was, uh, yeah, I was running the team at the time, but obviously Dai was writing all the checks. They took really good care of us. Um, and it wasn't all at once. It was kind of here and there. Um, and uh, I basically had a choice. I could stay with Dai or I could go try to do a new thing with some of my buddies. And uh, I figured, what the fuck, I'll roll the dice and uh, start the excessive gig up. So were you working for Dai at the time when uh, no, you were playing for No, the only, only thing we ever did for Dai was uh, – like sales booth, you know, like at a Mardi Gras or whatever in order right. to pay for the event. We had to go sell a bunch of stuff, but I never really worked for them. Um, I always went down there, hung out and, you know, hung out with Dave and checked the shop out and stuff, but never really worked down there. Gotcha. I wish I'd have got a big corporate job. Shit. Man. <laughs> so, so you and Ironman, well, you and a few others, uh, split from Ironman and yeah. Form excessive. It, now, was this kind of a collective thing of where are we going to go? What's going to happen? Or did it was you guys more have an idea a, what you wanted to do? 
it was more of a just kind of happened, man. Like Micah's like, hey, uh, I got this kid. He um, his dad was willing to sponsor us, and I was Is that like, Duncan. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, that's ah, kind of risky. I know, you know, with Ironman, it's it's you know things might be going a little sideways, but at least it's a safe bet. And I've been here for a long time, and I kind of know my way around. Yeah. And so we took a meeting with the guy and uh, the uh, the two Duncans, the son and the father, and uh, they were really excited, had a lot of energy, um, had a lot of really good ideas, and seemed like they were really into it. And uh, so we just start talking, and then you know, as we're going back and forth, I'm like, fuck. Now I'm gonna have to make a decision. I might have to actually leave. This sucks, and uh, yeah, and it, so it kind of went back and forth. During, it was during the off season, and then uh, season rolls around, and I made a decision, and we just rolled with it. So the the Duncans, I mean, they they this was big money, wasn't it? As far as the, where they were coming from. Yeah, no, they they definitely have a lot of money, um, and uh, I think they brought in a buck twenty the first season, and. Um, we matched them or tried to match them as close as we can with industry support. JT was real big for us at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, they, they are definitely big money people. Now, I remember uh, Excess Energy Drink. That was them, right? Or yeah, that yeah. Was... They, they were uh, – the, the dad, Greg, was part of the group that brought uh, Amway to – like online into the internet. Mm-hmm. And Excess Energy Drink was one of their vehicles they used to do that. And uh, I still see it all the time. I see, still see cans and logos on all, all the time on race cars everywhere. So apparently remember, they're still doing okay. I remember on our jersey we had to spray out the Excess because it was like, too <laughs> orange or something. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and then another thing I remember is when – I forget what year it was, but it was, it was early on. And we went to eat in San Diego at Ruth Chris. Yeah. And I was like, who – are these people like, like taking this entire team out to Ruth Chris? I was like, man, it must be. And they did that every single time we won. They were uh, they were really good about that, man. They were uh, they treated us really good. Yeah, that's that that's one of the things. I was like, damn, there must yeah. there, there's money somewhere coming in from some because I didn't really know. I was too young to really know the ins and outs and the workings of the team uh, when I got on there. And you guys had formed the team. I believe what was it 2000 2003 or 4 right. you guys in, and then um I was playing for let, let's talk about my inception and Thank we'll, you. we'll talk about that um it was it was 2004 Las Vegas I don't know what event during the year that was exactly uh but I know that and it even might have been the event before World Cup but it was Vegas uh this is back when the amateur teams play the pro teams this was seven man which um, i think was still a good thing i, think I don't know if it would, i don't i don't know if it would apply now or maybe if you did it like at a d3 you know or d2 level you play one game against pros mm-hmm. but it gave you that like experience that chance to be like hey we want a couple points you know maybe we can play with these guys yeah playing with tim in effect i don't know how many times we played pro teams i mean we had our good uh our good games where we won some but there were times where like we would shoot three, four guys on a pro team were like, we can hang with these guys, you know, and we can, we can really do something. And I think nowadays, I think it's so far separated that, and, and I don't think the format would go for it either. Um, it's, it's tough, man. If you don't have a top pro team around you, it's so hard to get to that level. So for some of those teams, the only chance they had to get a look or to get a feel of what that different speed was and what the different look was, was to play those events and play against a big pro team and be like, oh, wow. We got to go home and we got to work really hard. And now yeah. you, you just don't get that. You know, one or two guys get it here and there, but you know, not, there's only so many pro teams and there's a ton of teams out there. Yeah, I think that would only would work for seven man. I think it worked well uh, when when that was happening. And you didn't play very many pro teams. I think it was only you played maybe one or two uh, yeah. in your division yeah. that were. If you had, that if were you had pro eight teams. matches, you played one or two pros. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and, and I never played amateur against pro. I always played pro against amateur, so I sweated every one of those games. I was like, man, I do not want to lose to these chumps. And every <laughs> once in a while, you'd look over and there'd be like six dudes walking out. You're like, are you fucking kidding? We're going to yeah. lose this game right now to these dudes. Yeah. I think I think we were talking about this too in uh, in AC. I think ex- a tip and effect beat excessive one time. That, I, I don't think, think that ever happened. I'm pretty I would, sure that we I would did. I would happy to give that to you if you can find it in any magazine or any <laughs> – any, if you could – just write something on a piece of paper and fax it to me. Oh, I can I'll do that. that. I'll take that as a win. But I don't. I don't remember ever losing to a Tipman effects team. You guys played with Tipmans, right? We did. We. I think we yeah, shot great, all you guys with Tipmans. Great guns. Great gun. First gun I ever played with. Tipman SL sixty eight two. 
There you go. My, yeah. I think mine was something like that. But and let's go back to when we beat you guys. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> so, but but we eventually did. We eventually did play uh, you guys in Vegas. We we lost that game, but shockingly, uh, shockingly, uh, I had made it to the uh, made it to fifty against you guys. Eventually got shot out. But how did you guys come about kind of noticing me and everything? Um, I heard that there was this ridiculously good looking model playing paintball for Tipman effects. And I was like, well, I've always been in hot guys, so I'll just go check this game out. Um, no, I heard that there was a really fast guy for playing a Tipman effect. I went over and it was one of those fields where it was conducive to having a fast guy. If you got to that 50 little diamond on the tape, mm-hmm. you could wrap and shoot the guy coming in and kind of shoot the rest of the team. Um, the field was kind of wet. So that kind of slowed everybody else down. But I remember that. Yeah, you were at the 50 while the other guys were at the 30-ish yard line. And I was like, wow, this kid is really fast. Overslid your bunker a little bit, was athletic enough to shoot the guy and come back, um, and then finished off the game pretty well. I remember coming over to talk to you, and you basically spit in my face, pushed me down. I don't remember all the details because it was so painful I blocked most of it out. But <laughs> I remember you crying. Well. Yeah, it did not do well for me at all. <laughs> yeah, I, um, were you guys looking for players at the time, or was it just kind of a, hey, check this kid out? Um, I think as a team, you're kind of always looking for players, um, when you're competitive and when you're trying to build a team up. Um, and if you find someone that's extraordinary, um, and it's always one of those things where you never pick up the dude, like, uh, like we didn't pick you up for where you were at then we picked you up for what your potential would be in two or three years. Mm-hmm. Figure you were a nice kid. You're super athletic. So if we can bring you in and we can make something special out of you over two or three years, then we'll have that, you know, we'll have the time invested in you where you'll have some responsibility to the team and you'll be the superstar we need you to be. And I think I, I, I owe a lot to you guys. You know, I don't think I've ever told you this, but I owe my career to you guys, or to you in particular. Um, Thanks, buddy. You know, I, no, it really means a lot to that you guys took the risk on myself being from Ohio, so it's, you know, <laughs> more money coming in uh, that you guys have to fork out for to fly me to practices. and, and that, I remember that. was Yeah, it was such a huge risk. Um, especially on on you guys because you're trying to build this championship team again, and it it really means and meant the world to me when you guys kind of took me under your wing. And I, I all I had back then was speed. I don't think I was nearly the paintball player that I became until after I was in in your camp. And you know, I I just want to say thank you, and I appreciate you're very everything welcome, you buddy. And I'm I'm really glad you came, and uh, we really enjoyed having you on the squad. And it was really kind of cool for me because when I, you probably don't remember when you came on the team, you weren't uh, as you know well spoken or as well versed in paintball as you are now. And it was really cool with me commentating with you last week or whenever we were in AC, and having you sit next to me and actually you know talk about paintball and, and kind of show that you know what you're talking about. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. So good I, job. Thank you, thank you. And it even then it, I kind of I didn't I didn't show my tear, but I got a little choked up because you know we really. You guys were like big brothers to me, um, with me being the oldest of, of uh, three siblings. Um, you guys were my big brothers, and I, I took so much uh, criticism for you guys, which was mostly positive criticism, and it really built my character into who I am. And uh, We haven't really talked that much ever since the excessive days and, and no, when I left. And, like yeah, and I, I don't know if I ever told you why I left. No. We'll just leave it at that. There, there's no reason for you to know. <laughs> <laughs> I got pregnant again. <laughs> no, I actually it was. So let's go. Let's let's go back. We'll get to that eventually. But I, I think yeah. let, let's right. go back to when I. So I got on the. <laughs> I got on the team. Uh, actually, before I got on the team, uh, you had approached me and asked me, "Hey, what are you doing next year? What's going on? You want to play for us, uh, or you want to come try out for us?" And I actually shot you down because I was in talks with Naughty Dogs. The Naughty Dogs. The Naughty Dogs, because I was moving to Seattle Rocky. at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Which, and nothing against the Naughty Dogs at all. No, great guys. And Rocky's back in playing paintball now. It's amazing. Yeah. Him and his kid come cool. out and play. It's very cool. Yeah. And they and, actually have a really good uh, bowl kit for the Vanquishes now. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Hmm. Pay attention. It's you know, happening. Learn something new every day. <laughs> um, but I, I don't even know how I got into talking with those guys. I, I know that... I had approached them about wanting having them uh, look at or watch some of our games because I was moving in Seattle. That was going to be the closest pro team. And uh, just like all the paintball events, there's pros walking around. You can talk to them. You can find them, whatever. And and then right after that, I think it was the same day when I talked to Rocky or I talked to B-W or B-Dub, 
um, you had approached me and I go back to the hotel room that night and I talked to my, my teammates about it and they're like, what are you talking about? Are you need to go back and find rich. I hope you didn't blow it. You probably blew it. You probably did. You probably did. You got to go back. And I remember the next day I was like frantic. I was trying to find you. I was like, I just made the hugest mistake that I could make found you. And you know, it's, it's history from there. But, uh, I was telling you about this too when we were in AC that the very first practice I remember flying out and I, we played a couple games. You pulled me aside and I remember you were having me snap shoot with you and I shot you like the the one or the one or two times I came out and I was like, man, this is this is gonna be awesome. This is great. And you kind of like you're like, you little fucker. And then you shot me every single time after that and it kind of like grounded me again. And, I do not like getting shot. <laughs> and, I, d- dude, from, from day one, and I tell people this all the time, I was you are one of the players that I played against that had one of the nastiest shots. And I get lucky pretty red. It's it's crazy. Um, I tell people all the time, like, they ask me, like, who do you think is the, the best shot you've ever played against? I was like, I was like probably hands down, Rich has got to be one of the nastiest shots. That's uh, kind of an old school Northern California uh it didn't really matter like how fast you were or, you know, cause we played in the woods when I started. So all it really matters how good gunfight you were. Cause you run your fucking mouth and somebody like, all right, well let's go fucking play. And yeah. then you get 10 feet away from each other. Then one of you would shoot at each other. So as soon as I got my field going, the first thing I did is set those fools up and every day. I just go out there and grind. That's what you hear the Ironman talk about bloody knuckles. That's where bloody knuckles mm-hmm. came from. Oh really? Yeah. That's awesome. And I think that's, that's kind of what you guys ground, you know, grinded in my head was, you know, drills. Do your drills. Do your do the things that are so repetitive that you do hate doing them. Exactly. Yeah. Do the work, and it'll slowly come around. But um, but excessive comes around. Uh, we have I think one of the biggest and best rival rivalries in paintball against Dynasty. Um, I was kind of jealous. I wanted to play uh, overseas with you guys. Never got to do that. I, Sorry about that. That's all right. It happens. You were so, you were so close. I was so close. But I we wanted had a to lot. So bad. We had a lot of really good dudes. It was tough. I was trying to nip on Jesse's heels when he was over there. I was like, dude, I'm going to, I'm going to beat you out of your spot. But <laughs> it never happened. But, oh, but we eventually got a sister team, um, New York energy. And I think that was, it was just some of the best times it, having both of those teams and playing against yeah. each other and seeing each other every weekend and, and winning tournaments. It was, it was some of the best times, you know, hands yeah, down. I, I think that was the best between the two teams. That's the best group of guys I ever played traveled that hung out practiced the whole grind they were you had your good combination of really good dudes like Micah and Ron Phipps and you had your really competitive guys like Nikki and Nikki and like it was just a good combination of the team you know like a good combination of everybody athletic guys smart guys aggressive guys yeah. easygoing guys it worked it seemed like it worked out really well so where do you think the team fell apart where was the turmoil where was the where was that divide that fork in the road uh, when we brought Dave Baines on and Glenn Takamoto, when, when we brought them on, uh, the Duncans were trying to get those guys to basically take the team to split, uh, so that they could have ownership of the team. And, uh, I kind of, I kept it basically from the core guys on the team as long as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. But once, once they finally figured out what was going down, everyone was just like, we're out. You know, really? it, it, it was, it was, it was one thing when they were all kind of doing it for their own, like for ourselves and for, you know, our team. But when they found out the team either was going to go somewhere else or all the money was go away, going to go away, they just bailed. So it was Which that. Is, I mean, no one, everyone was getting promised something, or yeah. Uh, well, I got they. I fucked up. It was first time I'd really been kind of worked in paintball, and I didn't. I was kind of naive going in. And Dave's a pretty shrewd businessman. I got him. Uh, I think I got him thirty k to run the team, to run the uh, second team, mm-hmm. and um, at the same time they were talking to him. They were paying his checks. I wasn't paying his checks, so I feel like his kind of loyalty was there instead of with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, they had the money and once they, and once they started, we had one of the guys that was a friend that worked at the company with, with the Duncans. And so he would kind of feed us the back information like, Hey, just so you know, dad told the kid to shut the money off and to squeeze you guys out and take the name. And so mm-hmm. I had, I had to use the winnings from the team basically to pay everybody to pay all the bills. But once, uh, we weren't winning all the tournaments and their money wasn't coming in, we were in a real tough spot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember, you know, there was one memory I had where it was a 2006 PSP Chicago, the one that we won. Yeah. And I remember before the tournament even started, you you sat us all down, looked us all in the eye, and you said, 100% if we win this tournament, everyone gets 
everyone gets the the, the full amount of the, of what we win. And I don't know if that was uh like something that fired everybody up and that's the reason why we won. But that was the first time I got any kind of big paycheck like that. And I I wasn't getting paid on the team. And I was me either. (laughs) And I I should probably come out right now and say it. So you know that alien marker that I lost? Yeah, yeah. That it's probably very obvious. But um Get out. (laughs) Do you want the list of all the other guys that have lost markers? Do you know how terrible <laughs> I felt about that? I held that so long. Like, hey man, let it go, brother. Let it go. I know. I just got It feels yeah. better though when I when yeah, I can actually. I'm glad. Sign. I'm glad you came, and I'm glad you're good. Let's <laughs> let's move on. Let's move on. Oh, so there is one thing I do really, really regret is that on that alien marker, which I actually shot good for me. Um, yeah, they to, shot. They shot good for me too. To pay my rent is actually why. I, I <laughs> but, but there was an excessive barrel. That it was an eclipse excessive barrel that was at like anodized with all of our logos and stuff in it, and I, yeah, I sold it with it, and I, I wish I would have kept it, but um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I never got paid on on the team only when we won, <clears throat> and I don't want to, I don't want, I don't care if I didn't, I, it, I, I was in it because I was so young, but also because it was such an experience for me, I, I could care less whether or not I was getting paid, and and the only reason why I left, and I actually got offered to go when all the guys split um i they had offered me money to go or like trying to get me to go that you should come over and do this you, the whole abyss thing and 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 all that they're like you need to go with us and i you know i refused i for me it it didn't feel it didn't feel right after everything that that you've done for me and everything that the team has done for me Thanks, uh, yeah it, it really didn't feel right and the only reason why I left to go play for Avalanche is because they literally said, "Hey, we will pay you X amount of dollars to play." And every and month, I would never fault anybody for going and getting paid. Yeah, that's that's honestly the only reason why there was nothing yeah. against you guys, nothing against the team, nothing. Well, thanks, buddy. That makes me feel better because I yeah. know we were rough on you when you you know when you were coming up, and because we were rough on everybody, not like not like you were special or we didn't like you. Like we were just rough on everybody because we want everybody to be strong and everybody to be the best. And you can't you can't really baby people to that point, you know. No, I I love it. And there's there's I mean I remember there was a times where, you know, because of my playing style, I I remember breaking down in tears one time because I remember Cuba yelling at me, telling me to stop acting or playing like a superstar. And I told him to his face, I was like, I'm I'm just trying to play my heart out for this team. And it's such a big part of my life. It might seem minimal to some guys or yourself or anybody, but it was nah, like, we've all We've all been there, bro. We've oh all been God. there trying to prove like, hey, I deserve to be here. And, and, it, and you know, selfishly, we want to justify all the time and energy we put into it. We want to make mm-hmm. it worth something because we're spending our whole lives and our whole you know, it's really selfish doing what we do for as long as we do, and we want it to be worth something. So, I, I mean, I, don't, I, I think we all know what you're talking about. I think that was something that we talked about, too, uh, you know, because I, I asked you, you know, why you stopped playing or, you know, where you're sitting now or where you're going to play. And you told me, you're like, you know, it's not, it's not about me anymore. You know, I, I have other things that I want to put my energy and my – my thoughts into it and playing just isn't one of them because you've been so well we all have been so selfish throughout the years and especially now i mean you have two girls um yep. right and then i have yep. a son and it's i feel like i've already have missed so much with him and you try and make it worth it you know yep. going and playing these tournaments and you know where so bringing it back to excessive uh when the whole split happened did did you just try and make the team work, and you just didn't you didn't see it happening? Uh, no, I mean we went on for as long as we could. There's just no money in the industry anymore, and at the same token, like the last two years, like I just couldn't get uh, a solid line of guys that were dedicated um, and motivated, and I didn't have any tools to dedicate them. To motive. I couldn't pay them. I couldn't give them guns. I couldn't give them. You know, I, I could only give them free tournaments and, you know, free practices, and, and that just wasn't enough. And yeah. I'd get one or two guys that were like you that showed promise, but then they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't fulfill that promise or they wouldn't fulfill, they wouldn't get become the players that I need them to become. They'd get disenfranchised and move on. We'd get a new batch of guys in, and it was just very, very frustrating. And I wasn't really doing it for me anymore. I was doing it for them, and and it just, you know, taking time away from the family, all the all the stress, all the money when you're doing it for every, everybody else, it just... You can only do it for so long, and I didn't really feel like uh, 
they kind of appreciated it. And, uh, you know, there's only probably four or five dudes left that were really good dudes that really wanted to, mm-hmm. you know, have win a tournament, have win a championship. And it was all said and done. It was just time, man. Like yeah. if, if we were operating on the smallest budget possible and had been doing it for the last two years and just making everything stretch, I was putting in money for myself and like, I just didn't have more money to put in and it just got to a point where it was just too much, you know? Did you see a, a difference in players from from back then when we first or when you first started a team and you're looking for players to now, let's say in 2000, the tens and the elevens and twelves, it was it. I'm not sure when the team ended, but do you see a difference in players as far as coming? Are they too soft? Are they are they not taking uh, criticism as as well or? What I see is uh, kind of what you used to see in a microcosm, but you see it a lot more. Uh, now players get a lot better a lot faster. So if there's 10 levels to being the perfect player, and most guys you hope get to be like a 7 or 8, they'd get to be like that 4 really, really quickly, but then they wouldn't move on past that 4. You know, they, They'd get to where they were playing pretty good paintball, and every 4 or 5 games they do something really good, or every 4 or 5 games they don't, don't make a mistake, but they never get to where they're making the next level where they're now they're using the people around them they've mm-hmm. got four or five different looks they can play different positions they can play up they can play down on bodies they can play aggressive passive they just they don't seem like they make that next hurdle because i don't know why they don't make that next hurdle but i don't know if it's drive or discipline or you know but it's changed like even when you came on the team we played pretty consistently every single weekend two or three days every single weekend mm-hmm. and we were all in the gym on the reg and now i don't think guys do that anymore i mean i think most teams practice two or three times for a tournament if they're playing europe then they get to play 10 tournaments a year and maybe they get in 15 to 20 practices we used to get in 30 practices and play 20 events i mean it, i think it's different you know yeah. i don't think they don't get as many spins they don't get as many looks so it takes them longer to get to that highest level and some of them, you know, it's hard to stick around for four or five, six years as long as it takes. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think, you know, I think it's a big disadvantage, at least for Aftershock, you know, not being able to get together as much and some of these other teams not being able to get to, together as much. And you're playing against teams that are playing overseas in London right now that are getting, yeah. you know, X amount more reps and yeah. playing pro teams every weekend when we have to play a, a semi-pro team or a divisional it's, team. And It's tough, man. If you don't have, I mean, if, honestly, people ask me pretty regularly. I'd say once, twice a month every year for the last five years. Like, hey, when's the team getting back together? What would it take? And honestly, if you don't have a million-dollar budget, you're not in a top-four team. And so yeah. what are you doing? Yeah. And, it's and, sad. And, not, and not to be negative and not to be disparaging, it's just it, that's the way it is now. It's, you know, you've got to be able to go to Europe. You've got to be able to fly in and practice against pro teams if you don't have a pro team. You got to have a facility that'll let you use the field. You got, I mean, you got. There's a lot of uh, support and a lot of money that goes into making your top pro team. Well, yeah, and it goes back to what you were talking about with practices, with with reps. So back then, we got you know 30 practices worth of reps, and if you're only doing half that, then you know it, yeah, there's 30, no room for yeah, mistakes. If you're doing 30 practices against some of the best players in the world, your level is going to get uh, to where it needs to be much quicker than if you're doing 20 reps against the guys that aren't as good as you are, which is, I think, what 90% of people out there, maybe 98% of people out there do. Yeah. So one thing I want to bring it back to a, a, a positive note is that you're still in the industry. Yes, um, I am. You're actually, uh, what is your position uh, at GI? I'm an events manager. I set up the events for GI at the uh, NXLs and at the uh, West Coast Games and some of the big scenarios and stuff. Oh, fun. How'd you get into that role? I mean, did you did you pursue it or was it something that was approached uh, to you? No, I, I, I've always had a job at the college in Modesto. Um, I did that for about 20 years. Uh, a guy named John Robinson was starting off the Splatmaster program mm-hmm. and uh, kind of hooked me on getting kids into paintball and growing the sport. And so I quit that job and started working for JT and for Splatmaster. I did that for a couple years, and then when the merge came, uh, actually right about the year before the merge came, I started doing events management for Key, uh, running the NXL boost and the big scenario games, mm-hmm. and then when GI uh, bought the company, I was able to keep my position and continue to do what I'd been doing. No, I, I I love seeing you at every single event, and you know Thanks, you, you're you've been an inspiration in my life and you know i don't care what anybody says about you you know i don't care all the what? shit that people talk to you about <laughs> what? you're but you're super approachable and i think that you have so much knowledge for these kids and i don't i think that's one thing that nobody does is or these kids do is they go online and they try and look at you know they watch these videos and they do this and they do that but 
you know, they don't put their nose to the net and they don't come and approach players and ask them the questions that should be asked. And even yourself, I mean, dude, I to be in my position back when I was 18 and, and have the pro accessibility that the kids have nowadays, I mean, people should be talking your ear off besides... Yeah, it's. I think it's the problem is that a lot of people already think they have all the answers, and when you have all the answers, you stop asking questions, right? And it's yeah. the same when you were asking earlier, why don't people get good? It's because they think they're good. People get to a point where they get to like that four level, and they start, you know, beating the people at their local field, or they get a couple good games in, or they shoot some guy that they think's a good pro, and then they're like, hey, that's it. I'm I'm where I need to be. I've got all the answers, all the questions answered, and I don't need to work any harder. I don't need to get any better. And, if that's the case, it just that's what happens. You don't get any better, and you stay at that level four. Yeah, there's such a fine line between confidence and cockiness, and yeah, you don't you don't find that line until you get your ass kicked. Yeah, yeah, and that's honestly like that's what got me uh, good at paintball in the beginning, and that's what kept me in paintball is just the old school Ironman, Shane Pastana, Marty Bush, all those guys just beating the shit out of me every single weekend. And and it wasn't like it is now. Like you couldn't go ask those guys later, like, hey, can you do one-on-ones with me? Can you help me work on this? Because they didn't want you to get better. They wanted to beat you down so that you didn't take their spot or you didn't get on another team and beat them. I mean, they were great guys and they were, uh, you know, they helped me a lot just watching them play and learning from watching them play. But they weren't like it is now where you can ask some pro guy, like, hey man, I noticed you did this. Why did you do that? Or hey, you yeah. know, what's, what's the best way to do this? Like you just didn't get that in the old days. You have that now. But you've, you know, you've got to be willing to ask the questions. It doesn't seem like anybody is. Yeah. No, hopefully, hopefully it turns around. I, I I'm sure it will. will. I'm, I'm hoping. Sure it will. I'm hoping yeah. it will. Might as well be positive, right? <laughs> well, um, dude, I'm going to let you get to your barbecue. Um, nice talking to you, buddy. I'm really proud of you. Good job. Thank you. And I think the podcast is awesome. Thank you very much. I love talking to you. And uh, I can't wait to see you and talk to you at, uh, at the next event. All right, brother. Take care. Thank you. All right, man. Take care. Thanks. Appreciate Bye. it. Bye. Hey, I know this wasn't the longest podcast because Rich had a family barbecue cookout that he had to get to. I had a crying baby upstairs that I had to get to. <laughs> but uh, but that's life. And uh, But I'm really, really super stoked that I got to sit down and talk to him. I haven't talked to him in man, years like that, for that long anyway. And I remember I, I left the team back in 2000, at the end of 2006. And that was like the last time. I see him at every single event. I give him a hug. I love that guy. But I haven't been able to sit down and talk to him like that in yeah, 10 years. It's it's crazy how how fast time flies. That's why I tell all you guys, man. Like, do what you love to do and surround yourself by people who who love to, you know, have the same interests. Who have the same interests as you guys and who who love each other. Because if you if you don't... You're going to regret it, and time's going to go by faster than what you want it to, and before you know it, you know it, it, it's all gone. So uh, thank you so much, Rich. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, I will see you at the next event. And uh, a quick thank you to our sponsors again, drpaintball.com. Uh, you can, like I said before, you guys can uh, get some sweet financing over there to help you guys get your dream guns. Um, also to Planet Eclipse. They have the LV 1.5. They have it on planeteclipse.com. Check it out. All the gallery, all the specs, all the goodness over there. Um, carbonpaintball.com. They have 10% off if you use capital TPOP for uh, for checkout. Uh, Midwest Clothing. They have 20% off if you use capital TPOP. And they have that fancy Finley Classic snapback hat over at midwestclothingllc.com. And a big thank you to RazaLife.com and that for all of your custom gear, for kitten t-shirts, for lasers, swords, eagles, whatever you want on your jerseys. Todd can hook you up over there. Capital TPOP for checkout, 19% off. Super cool. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, if you're looking for me on social media, it's cmarkizzle on Instagram or the Playing On Podcast. And same thing goes for for Facebook, the Playing On Podcast, and my name is Carl Microwave Markowski over there, um, but, uh, excuse me, excuse me, and I, I, dude, if I'm sniffling in your ear, I apologize, but I'm not doing it on purpose, I woke up, and one of my nostrils was cemented closed, I, I don't know 
what the hell happened last night, but my I can barely breathe, and I'm trying to drink coffee. See, sorry. <laughs> kind of went down the wrong pipe. Ugh. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is thank you, everyone, each and every one of you guys that is listening, who is hopefully still listening after, after all this. Uh, you know, I, you know, I can't do this on my own, and I just want to thank you guys for. I mean, I'm producing all this stuff on my own, but you guys are giving me the motivation to to keep going, and I, I really greatly appreciate it. Appreciate it, and if I could high five each and every one of you. I would, and and you know I love everybody coming over me, coming over to me at the uh, at the events and everything, and telling me, hey, I love podcasts. That, that's great. I love the feedback. The feedback is great. So I'm gonna stop jabbering your guys' ear off. I just want thank you, thank you, thank you, and uh, we will see you guys here next time on the Playing On Podcast. Peace. <laughs>